But so you what, do you do a lot of night activity. I mean, you you do a lot of night snowboarding too. I do as much at night as I can, just because I love it, and because I have kids. I have two kids, eight, right. and eleven years old, and okay. you don't always have time for a shred in the day. And nope. so if you go out at night, you can always go shred at night. And then, you know, in the day sometimes I'm like, oh, I should be taking my kids riding, or oh, I should have went and got groceries, or you know, and I'll right. go riding and I'll and I'll do it because. I need to. It's you know, it's partly it's my job, but partly I'm an addict. I need to ride, but I always feel sometimes a little bit guilty if there's things I have to do in the day. So sometimes yep. I don't ride because I try and be responsible and go take care of those things. Yeah. When nighttime comes and my kids go to bed, <laughs> I'm 100% in, conscience-free. Uh, you know what I mean? And yep. I, I'm I'm a high energy guy anyway, so I don't sleep very much. And so what I do you sleep? I, what, what's a typical night for Brett Tippy sleeping? I go to bed at like two, three, four in the morning. Jesus. And then, uh, you know, sometimes I'm up at like seven thirty to get the kids ready for school normally, and I wow. go snowboarding for the day. You know, yep. and sometimes I'll sleep in till like eight or nine, um, maybe ten if I need it, and then go about my day. But you know, I, I sleep like I need like four or five hours on average, and then for like two or three days, four days, and then I need to follow up with an eight or a ten every fourth day or something. Right. You know, at Crankworks, you know, you're going to bed at three, four, five in the morning, editing it all night. Yep. Our help edit, the, the guys, um, I work with Pink Bike quite often at Crankworks. And then you're up at like eight o'clock, 830, and away you go mm -hmm. again. And so that's yep. 10 days of like three and a half hours of Crank. sleep a night. I you guess know, that's why they call it Crankworks. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Seven days of crankworks makes one week. <laughs> nice. I wish I had my MV hat. Ah, you're good. You're good. We want to look at your beautiful face. You're all right. Okay. All right. All right. So, so how are you doing? What's going on with you? How are you? Um, you know, it sounds like I'm in the same boat you are. You know, um, we've had glorious weather since this whole fiasco hit us. Where are and you right now? In Germany. Um, in Ger okay. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the weather's been beautiful. And I mean, dude, I've been riding in short sleeves and shorts. Um, so it's you're allowed been... to ride there right now. I thought, I yeah, thought so shut we're, down we're, well, we're, you know, right across the border, unfortunately, which is right out the door here. Um, Austria is totally shut down. Um, yeah. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to do anything. Although I just heard they're going to uh, open up the mountains again to uphill traffic for touring. So, okay. Um, Okay. But, you know, we're uh, in Germany, we were, we're allowed to exercise once a day, and that includes mountain biking. So it's been, dude, it's been fantastic because, you know, there's nobody out. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's a ghost town. And like, so the riding's been amazing. And I've been awesome. riding a lot with the kids. So getting, you know, I, I'm in the same boat as you are, actually. Mine are 8 and 12 and okay. both shred. So been getting out with those guys and having fun. We built one of those uh, wheelie machines. So we can oh, yeah. practice wheelies and we got one of those uh mountain bike hopper jumps we've broke that out a few times and been jumping so it's been that's fun cool. that's Make good the most of it yeah so. yeah and they both shred yeah yeah i mean they they do pretty much everything that my wife and i do so like they snowboard they ski they mountain bike skateboard you know they're just you know whatever it is they're they're like we're down let's do it that's cool <laughs> that's, that's awesome fantastic. i just taught my little girl how to ride um who's eight and uh, my oldest one learned to ride at three, but my, my youngest one 
um, is a little bit on the spectrum and has like a touch of autism. So she kind of just didn't really grab onto bike riding until just recently. And, yeah. you know, I take her around and she does the run bike thing. And and I thought, when's this going to click? And then the other day, I just put her on a bicycle and then just kind of held her. And she was just doing circles. And then all of a sudden, she just got the the, the gyroscope effect of the right. wheels. And, you know, right. she was striding like a run bike, but on a bicycle. You know, nice. clipped her feet on the pedals a few times. Didn't like that. So she lifted her feet out of the pedals and she's just practicing spinning and I'm holding her. And then all of a sudden she got the gyroscope effect and the pedaling all of a sudden. And I was like going on with circles, burning my lower back. And all of a sudden I just kind of let her go, you know? <laughs> and then I ran up beside her and she's like doing it. And then she looks over at me like, like, what are you doing there? <laughs> and she was riding her bike. And now she did self start. And it's just nice. a big, a big thing in the, in the tippy household. My wife is stoked. She's stoked obviously herself. Um, right. But my oldest daughter, Levin, she was riding at like, I think she was riding at three. Yeah. And uh, on the trails at five on the North Shore, at night riding in the rain. And uh, I just yeah. got her, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I got her an e-bike. And I got her a YT decoy e-bike. Nice. And um, so we've been hammering up the hills, you know, things things that would take hours to go do right. a lap or, or the two. Right. We're just like flying up there on our me and my little eleven year old in our little e bike and then we just go do big loops and then and then she's I'm like, Hey, let's go do that again. She's like, Sure because it's just <laughs> pain, way less pain free, right? You know, and um, Right. You gotta make it fun for him, right? That's what I think. And then she's getting the, the riding skills and the line choosing skills because she's getting so yeah. much more trail time. And um, you know, I've never been an e bike guy. I just just got one, so right. I'm like Wow, this is like a cool bike to add to the repertoire. So yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's tough because I mean, you know, kids they want to have the fun. You know, they're they're not as sadistic as we are. You know, we can we can yeah. put ourselves to the pain cave no problem. But kids, as soon as you do that to kids, it seems like the the fun needle goes. And, yeah, and they're not stoked. <laughs> no, and then they not don't want to go. And then and then no. and when they are going, then they're not stoked while they are doing it. You know, right. and it's just yeah, I I, I think. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm My down. eight-year-old, you know, we rode with her a bunch. She had a hardtail. And then this this year, she got her full suspension. And I have to say, she I, she kind of reluctantly rode with us. But as soon as we got her the full suspension, man, she was down. She's like, this is fun. And yeah. Now she's all like hitting side hits and whatever, you know. She's just like, give me the gnar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it just makes it fun, you know. I wish yep. these little bikes that, you know, my my oldest girl has a sweet bike, you know, of course. And then her bike before the e-bike was like a, um, was a little spawn full suspension. Mm. Why couldn't we have those bikes when we were kids? I know, right? Can you imagine? Dude. It would blow my mind. I was on like Mustangs and like I, my first bike myself was a, a girl's bike for my cousin. And he, he was like uh, eventually being, he was like um, two-time uh, Canadian rodeo champion in Saddle Bronc. Oh, and really? so we'd go to the ranch and they'd always riding horses and, you know, the ranch life. And so his older sister gave him a bike. I got the bike. It had like the no top tube, you know, the girl's bike. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, and my dad's all stoked to give it to me from my, you know, my cousin <laughs> and my mom. And then I'm like, but it's a girl's bike. And then they spray painted it blue, and I was like, go. "Oh, yeah, okay." So that was my first bike. 
<laughs> and then the BMX bikes weren't even around yet, you know, in the 70s when, when I was right. learning how to ride and stuff. So they kind of slowly started morphing and happening in the end of the right. 70s. And so you could ride those. But remember the bars with the big ape hangers and they'd just Dude. move in the stem? You hit a jump and you move you in the stem. The wet, man, the grips were like twisting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Flying right off the end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had a Schwinn Stingray, like the and it had the Abe hanger bars on it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the banana seat with the the that those rails that drop down to the rear axle, right down stuff. to the rear axle. Oh my god, <laughs> I remember seeing a bike um, in a store. I used to live in the uh, in the states actually, and for one year uh, I lived in Houston, Texas. My dad took some art, especially art school down there. My mom was a nurse, so she could work anywhere, and so we went to the store, and this bike had the fake gas tank, you know. And like yeah. shocks, like working shocks, not really good, but right. I want one of those so bad, but I didn't get one with the working shocks. I got one with a fake gas tank though. Nice. The, they had like the, the evil Knievel version of those. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. wow. Buddy up the street from me, he had one of those and it even had the, one of the grips you could actually turn and it made a noise like ring. You know? I remember that my cousin had one. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, amazing, amazing. What do I have downstairs? Someone gave me a gimmick. It's like a little, um, it's like an exhaust pipe muffler. And then, you know, uh -huh. you know what, as a kid, you put hockey spokes in your in your back wheel. Oh, yeah. And so this thing has a plastic one, but then it's amplified through a plastic, like, oh, it looks like a muffler. And so I'm going to put that on something. <laughs> <laughs> and see how, see how good it, it uh, echoes. And, nice. uh I remember once I put a Guy Lafleur hockey card in my spokes, and oh, nice! He played for the Montreal Canadiens. He was right, a legend. Right. He was like smoking cigarettes on the bench, you know, back in the seventies, <laughs> scoring, you know, two, three goals. Back to smoking on the bench. Wild, nice. that's so talented. That card is worth like ten thousand dollars now. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I, I had three of them, and I and I put them into my spokes. Oh, and dude. even then, my dad was like, what are you doing? It's a game of fur. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's cool. It's extra cool. And he was like, okay. And now I, now I did some homework. And it, it would have been worth like thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. You, <laughs> but hey, it yeah, did sound cool. Yeah, we can't, you know, I was one of those kids also. I blew up. Most of my toys, I blew them up with firecrackers or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can, I can see you doing that. <laughs> I had a Hot Wheel one time, and I remember I remember distinctly blowing this one up. And then I did the same thing as you. I went, did some research on eBay, and I saw that same Hot Wheel, and it was like five thousand for that Hot Wheel. And I was like, "Fuck! I blew that thing up with a M80 or whatever." Yeah, with the with the <laughs> you know twenty five cent firecracker. <laughs> yeah, some black cat stuff. It's, totally. Yeah. Hey, speaking of blowing up cars, did you hear about the world's dumbest criminal? Uh huh. They asked him to blow up a car. And he burnt his lips in the tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, you know, the I wanted to kind of lead off with the question, you know, a lot of us at Envy are, we, we kind of, we're kind of split. So some of us call ourselves either snowboarders or skiers with a biking addiction, or we call ourselves mountain bikers or road bikers with a ski slash snowboard addiction. What is Brett wow. Tippy? Dude, this is an internal question of my life. It's so funny <laughs> that you asked me this. Because since 83, 
I've always wondered if I was a mountain biker that snowboards or a snowboarder that mountain bikes. Right. You know, like I was a bicycle bicyclist is the word, I guess, you know, from the age of five or six, I guess, six, right. five, five. Right. Um, so I originally, I was a bicycle, a cyclist, you know, and I, and I didn't snowboard until I was 13. Right. But I didn't mountain bike until like the same time. And so mm -hmm. I both, I started mountain biking and snowboarding in uh, 83 at 13 years old. But I was already cycling, you know, little whatever bikes we were just talking about. And then a 10 speed and I had a BMX and also had a couple of dirt bikes. So I was on two wheels before a snowboarder. So I think I'm originally a cyclist. But right. when I started snowboarding, I went all in and it was a very, you know, a lifelong addiction. And then I actually, I went pro snowboarding first and was racing for Team Canada right. um, on the Canadian national team, racing World Cup and racing pro events before there even was World Cup. And uh, that was that was my living and that's how I got chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Back yeah, in the day. But, Back in the day. You know, so, so I was racing for Team Canada and like my big goal is to win a World Cup and um, I never did. I never even pulled him in a World Cup. But, you know, I, I raced pro forever. I beat Sean Palmer a few times. And um, I was like fourth, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, ten, a tenth. Like, I, I cracked the top ten in the World Cup. But I just couldn't seem nice. to get on the podium. Because those guys are fast. We're the best in the world. You know, and I'm yeah. like a quarter second off or a half second off. You know, eighth place. Congratulations. You're top ten in the world. But... No podium. So I, I, I struggled so hard and I went for it. I, I seemed to get 11th place more than any other result in my World Cup career. All through the 90s, I raced pro. And I got so many 11ths. It right. just drove me nuts. Because I was a young guy. I was in my 20s. I was fit. I was ripped. I was tree planting. The planting I planted like over nine years. I planted over a million trees. Anywhere from 15 really? cents a tree to like 25 cents a tree, 20 cents a tree. Um, running around in the woods all summer to save money for snowboarding and to not have to work in the winter. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had muscles in places most people don't have places. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I would just always get 11th. I would go hard, I get 11th. I'd take it easy, I got 11th. I'd take it easy in the hard sections and then hard and easy section, I got 11th. I'd do the reverse, I got 11th. That was my number. <laughs> and uh, it drove me crazy. So, you know, eventually, I was trying to make the Olympics. I didn't make the Olympics uh, for nine for ninety eight in Nagano in giant right. slalom, and the top four um, from every country got to go. And I was fourth right. in Canada for three years in a row. And then the year that it counted, they didn't go any results in the last year. They did a four time trials, and I was like, okay. So we all went for it, and I got a third, a fourth, and then I screwed up a toe and I got a sixth. So I went for it to get back in the top four, and I got tenth. So I ended up oh. missing the Olympics by one spot. And then my buddy went and won the gold medal. And then he and didn't. Then, and then he and got then taken he away because it. of the marijuana in his urine. And then he, they found out that marijuana was banned in World Cup, but it wasn't in the Olympics. So they had to give his gold medal back. <laughs> and so I made up a joke. How many Canadians does it take to win a gold medal? One in an eighth. <laughs> <laughs> or how do you know when a Canadian does win a gold medal? They're the highest of the podium. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah. 
he got his medal back. Any... Yeah. And um, I didn't make the Olympics. And so I went on to border cross. And then mm-hmm. I was Canadian pro champ in 2000. But during that time, I was mountain biking like for fun and for training and for adrenaline in the summer. And then in 95, um, I filmed for uh, the first movie that featured free riding, as right. we know it today, at Pulp Attraction. And then we did uh, Crank, film for Crank in 97, and it like, broke in 98. And that broke free riding open to the world. Right. And um, a new you know, discipline of cycling was, was born. Was born, yeah. You were on the forefront of that. Yeah, so I was the first free rider, really, with, with, or on the first professional free ride team with Wade Simmons and Richie Slay. Right. But, you know, Wade, Wade is racing downhill until, like, the, you know, 90s and then mid-90s. And Richie was BMXing up until the 90s, you know. But I was free riding in the 80s, so I don't know if I was the world's first free rider, but I was I was in there. Yeah, anyway, sure. so it was something that, that, that happened after I was racing, you know, professionally for many, many years snowboarding. And then right. all of a sudden I was getting paid to go jump off cliffs and ride steep lines and stuff <laughs> and getting sent plane tickets and meeting hot babes and just <laughs> like getting boxes of parts. And all of a sudden it was just like a dream come true for like a hardworking guy that lived in the bush, you know, to, to, to make money to, to race professionally, which was a weird thing. Snowboarding right? because of the hard booter and everyone was into, you know, into tricks and freestyle. And, um, so, you know, I guess I was a cyclist first, but then a pro snowboarder and then being a pro mountain biker, it came full circle for me. So right. I think that's how I would say it. So I'm actually a cyclist that snowboards, although a powder day probably is hard. On, probably I don't know. I still don't know. I don't know. Does that, that, does that not, does that not answer your question? With this, no, it's, with it's, it's what I, it's kind of what it's, it's the same thing I wrestle with, you know, if it, yeah. if it's, if it, there's powder outside, like, man, what, what is that? Is powder rage or something, you know, you just, Oh, mad, you mad powder disease. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, man. So good. And you're, um, before we leave the snowboarding topic, you're actually working with yes snowboards. Is that right? Yeah. I ride for yes snowboards and I ride their optimistic model. Which is like yep. a little bank slalom board. Yep. Powder nose. Nice. So you can carve it up on the ice and then you get in the pow and it folds like a pow board. Yeah. So it's How a was your season board. this year? The season was uh, amazing. Amazing. I got a lot of, um, I got some heli days, you know, because yep. my Instagram has like over 100,000 followers. So I've got like heli skiing operations phoning me up to come heli skiing, heli boarding for free as long as i put instagram videos up you, and I'm like, you have you have my you have my telephone number right yes oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. don't worry <laughs> yeah but it, it, i've only been invited with no actually they invited my brother one time i got to invite someone i picked my brother instead of you sorry no, that's all right no that's all right you're good you're good buddy you have so to did, you have to come, I, you have to come over here and we go we, we go do some stuff over here well Saint you know Anton. what actually i went to the utah um not, I don't know you're in Germany, but I went to Utah a couple of years ago because I was in snow in BC at the beginning of the season. And mm-hmm. I was jonesing and it was like grass. And I'd been mountain biking all season long and I, you know, promoted all the products I had to promote for the, for the year. And so I was ready to snowboard until the new products came up for the new year. I usually have a few months of full on snowboarding. And it was green, 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 green. And I'm looking at the mountains and it sh- everything should have been open. So I got on the phone and I'm like, hey, buddy, 
to Derek Westerland from Fear Entertainment. I'm like, where's the best skiing in North America right now? And he's like, Utah. He's got 70 inches. And so I got on, online and I'm like, oh my God, there's tickets for $320 round trip. Vancouver, Salt Lake City, back to Vancouver. I called my buddy JP Gendron from SRS Lentor and I'm like, dude, how's the snow there? There's 70 inches. And he goes, oh yeah, it's deep. There's no base, but it's deep. And I'm like, cold? And he's like, oh, it's medium cold. It's perfect. I go, I'm coming tomorrow. And he goes, yeah, right. Okay. Sure, buddy. See ya. I booked the ticket. <laughs> I showed up. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and so he don't invite oh, he invited me forever to come and, and splitboard off his deck because he said he lives like in the woods like probably six miles as the flow cries from um snowbird mm-hmm. and so myself and photographer marcus riga and uh, mountain biker jeff galovich we all showed up stayed in his cabin and nice. we splitboarded off the deck and had 70 inches of utah pow Heck. Well, everyone in BC was like starving for snow, and we were just like shredding, just over the head, face shots of dry Utah powder. It was it was awesome, but that was two years ago. So this year it hit pretty good, and uh, I got a lot of pow, and it was amazing. It was like quite cold in Vancouver, whereas normally like you know very very warm like in. You're always struggling with the freezing. I went into a blue square. We carved up some turns. Or GoPro on me first run because it was a beautiful, sunny day. And then we're into a trail called um, uh, Zen Garden. It's mm-hmm. a double black diamond. And I've been snowboarding all winter long. And all of a sudden, I'm on the back of my mountain bike, dropping these chunky rocks, you know. And it was so tech and nasty. I rode it, but I was scared shitless. <laughs> You know, because it, it's a little scary when you go mountain biking after you haven't done it for a while. Because, you know, when you ride every day, you get so good at it without even realizing that you're getting good. That when you come back and you're not really, like, on it, you know, it's gnarly. Going through the sharp-edged rocks and there's, like, roots and you're all over the place. Like, until you get back on it, it's it's quite a scary thing. And so I'm going right. on this double black diamond and uh, I made it. But it was uh, I, it was big eyes and brown shorts. I needed I needed to go change my diapers <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, that, like um, you know, I, it's it was it's, it's a it's a trail bike. It's not a trail bike. It's an enduro bike. I guess it's one eighty in the front, one eighty mil travel, one seventy in the back, and like I say, I've got the seven thirty fives. I love that protective rim strip. You know, I know this is like sounds like an MV plug, but it is awesome because. You can just pound things. I don't get flats. I haven't had a flat. I haven't had a pinch flat for pretty much almost two years. And I ride, you know, almost every day. And chunky, rocky stuff, tech stuff, they work, you know. So nice. I just use it as as, as my bike park. Normally, you go to a bike park with a downhill bike. But I just use the Capra, you know, with the Mm -hmm. 735s. And it was awesome. So. But, you know, from the time I left and from the time I got back, you know, this this whole corona thing was something happening in China or something happening a little bit in Italy. And then it escalated in the nine days that I was gone. And I was, like, watching what was going on on social media and and, and, in the local news. And I'm like, I got to get back to Canada, back home, before this, you know, before Before I... Yeah, because things happened real quick. It seems like it really escalated during that time. And um, 
So I did, and I got back, and then I was doing self-isolation in our basement suite, looking at my yep. kids through the window, you know, and my wife. She's roller skating in the driveway, doing some disco moves. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to kiss my wife and, like, hug my kids. And it was, like, all of a sudden a real, a real deal. It was right. pretty wild. So. Right on. Yeah. Anyways, you know, hopefully, I know many, many people, you know, are going through some hardship and, and some yep. some sickness. And, um, you know, the people that aren't are at least going through financial hardship. You know, it's like a lot. Of, it's like a. You know, we've never seen anything like this in our lives. No, it's, it's crazy. It is. It's something that's, yeah, I, I don't know what a, what a precedent for this is, really. I mean, yeah, the, maybe the Great Depression or the the nineteen eighteen Spanish flu that they were talking about. But dude, I just read about. I just saw a picture of a guy that was one hundred and one years old, and he survived the Spanish flu. Really, and he got coronavirus, and he. He lived. He, he made it through that. He's this guy's just a warrior. <laughs> he's 101, and he's like, "Yeah, I had the Spanish flu back in the day, and I just got coronavirus. I'm healthy again." You know, eat your vegetables, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, they, these nurses are just looking at him like, and "He's 101 years old." He's like, everyone wasn't giving a thumbs up, but he was like, "It was awesome." Like, that's awesome. That's cool. But yeah, yeah, I don't know, like. Um, I heard a story about a guy that was in the hospital um, and he had the oxygen mask on and, and he said to the nurse that was looking after him, he said, can you check to see if my testicles are black? And she said, excuse me, sir, I'm here to give you a sponge bath. And he says, can you please check to see if my testicles are black? And she's like, well, okay. So she lifts up his gown and she lifts his his his. Uh, crown jewels over, you know, and then she inspects his testicles, north, east, south, west, and puts everything back, puts the, the gown back, and she goes, no, everything appears to be fine and normal colored. And he just shakes his head, and he takes the oxygen mask off, and he goes, thank you for that, but I said, are my test results back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to post that on social media, but I thought, you know what? I, that might be too much for someone who just. So we'll just put it up on the ND podcast. It'll work. Yeah, out. there you go. <laughs> so what's. Speaking of envy, what, what envy wheels do you use, Ken? Exactly. What do I use? Yeah. Um, well, I was riding the 730s like uh, most of the time. And now I've been riding. The, I ride a 635 in the front and a 630 in the rear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had an Alchemy Arctos 29, which was 160, 140. And I just got a Yeti SB130 lunch ride, which is 160 front and almost a 140 in the back. Yeah, yeah. I'll build that one up with the 635 front, 630 rear. Nice. Have you tried these new, um, uh, what are they, AM30s? They're like retailing for, they're only $1,600. Which yeah, is amazing price wheel. for an Envy product. Yeah, totally. It's 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 a wheel for people that actually go to the dentist. Yeah, <laughs> not dentists. <laughs> Speaking of dentists, check out these teeth I got. Yeah, I know. My these dentist, I have, a, I have a guy sponsor me. He wrote me on Instagram because my teeth were chipped up. I've eaten a lot of handlebars over the years. I've driven my knees into my face snowboarding. 
I'm a grinder. And he wrote me on Instagram and said, I'd like to sponsor you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, how, how does that work? And he goes, I give you new teeth. You give me a couple posts on Instagram. Actually, I don't even care. I just want to help you out. I'm a longtime fan. I've watched you on on uh, really? Fight for years. And you make me and my friends laugh. And um, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm wondering what to do. My wife's like, oh, wait a minute. My wife's like, who is this guy? You know, wake up with stitches in a note and no liver. And she's like Instagramming or Googling away. And she's like, oh, my God, he's got six dentists working for him. He, he races Baja trucks with Travis Pastrana. Really? He he supports the Nitro Circus guys. He does Miss America teeth. He does Miss Nevada teeth. Go, go, go. So I went down there and he gave me these. I got perfect nice. teeth again. And um, he made them just like how my regular teeth would be mm-hmm. if I hadn't eaten a lot of handlebars and uh, got scars awesome. all over and whatnot. But my teeth were saved. And uh, I says to him, I go, well, thank you for this. Like, that's a pretty cool sponsorship. You know, I'll definitely post some stuff on social media. I go, how much would this cost a regular paying customer? And he says, you don't want to know. And I go, I want to know. And he goes, you want to know? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, 70,000 US. And I'm like, oh my God. That's so crazy. it's crazy. That's a car in your mouth right there. That's like, that's like a Ferrari right in there. <laughs> Didn't know, actually, didn't know your mouth was that big that we could park a car in there. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, nice one. I resemble that comment. <laughs> hey, what's the difference between a car and an automobile? About well, $70,000. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're getting a little bit of feedback on your on your speaker. I think your either your things are rubbing on your jacket or something's making noise there. Oh, okay. How's that? That's better. There we go. Yeah. Something. I think. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> good. 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 So, pro- good. Good producing. Good producing. Good ear. Yep. So yeah, the foundation wheels. We just launched those. Um, so what are the, like, there's there's like the AM30, which is one of the, like there's three foundation wheels, two are road wheels, and one's mountain bike. Is that how it's going? That's how it's going. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the AM30 is an asymmetrical rim, so it means the the spoke face is offset. Yeah. So you you can you know have a slightly different build, you know, so you can offset the the spokes and have more even tension around the wheel. Um, it's a little bit simpler build than the current models. So we use actually less layers of carbon, and there, but we're also building a more durable wheel in the sense that it's um, it can it, it can take big impacts. It, uh, the impact values of the AM30 fall in between the M6 and the M7 wheels. In so, between? Yeah. Oh, so it's but, legit. It, you, can it's legit. Smash, you can smash that like normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're saying that, you know, you could actually go race enduro with this wheel. You know, obviously it doesn't have the, uh, the rim strip protection, but um, yeah. it still has the uh, pinch flat protection and that the the uh, the horns on the the rim are rounded off. Yeah, and they'll absorb the impacts for you. It works so good. Like I I don't I haven't tried that exact rim. Although there was I had a prototype and I think that's what it was. So maybe I, I did try it for right. a little bit. Um, right. But I know that I smash. I'm not the smoothest rider. I'm I'm worth like a point and shoot, just strong guy and just hang on through through you know some chunky techy rocks on the North Shore or in. Right. 
uh, Garda Lake, Northern Italy, or the Whistler Bike Park, or Peru, or um, you know, I ride in the old Rampage site, and yeah, you know, I cannot. Well, I have smashed a few rims, but those were like twenty by twenty road gaps that I case. Right. And it's I rolled away, you know, and the rim was right. was damaged. But so it, it took something catastrophic to actually do something to damage right. every wheel. Like, you know, any wheel would have blown up. You case a twenty by twenty road gap. Um, I remember what was it? it? I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before when we met up at Garda. Yes. You, you came to me and you had a cracked M7. Yeah. And, and you were like, "Hey, man." Can can we can we do something? I was like, I didn't have a rim to to help you out with at that point. And you're like, Do you think I can still ride? And I was like, Yeah. And I remember you contacted me like a week afterwards, and I was like, Yeah, I rode it for some time afterwards and didn't oh, have yeah. any problems. Yeah. And that place is so rocky. Like, have how many places have you you've ridden all around the world? Have you ridden many places that are as rocky as Garda Lake, Northern Italy? Dude, that is so brutal. It's so dark. Like, there's like rock, and then there's rock on top of rock, and there's loose rock, there's solid rock. There's just there. There is no dirt. It's all rock. <laughs> well, when you're descending, you got rocks descending with you. That's the crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so I ended up riding that damaged wheel till the end of the trip, so I could shoot the photos and and got it done, and I got published, and you know, yeah. doing some gnarly things. And then yeah. I got I got home and I and I had replacements at home, um, or a, a replacement set. And then I was immediately off to Peru, and mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." And I had the new rim strip. That damaged wheel um, from like I smoked some big rocks, like you know, because you're filming, right? You're shooting, so you're doing some gnarly stuff, and you're trying to go fast and look good on camera and stuff. That's the last time I had flat. How long was that? Two years ago? Yeah. That's There's the last it. time I literally had a flat. That's crazy. I carry a tube, or two tubes. I carry a pump. I carry tire levers all my life, you know, like mountain biking. I still do just in case because that's habit. It's just that's what's in my pack. Oh, right? it's smart, right? It's smart. And I usually end up fixing other people's stuff. I've never used it in two years. I don't even remember how to change a tire anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a commercial, but it's true. It's so <laughs> rad. I love it. And, you know, like sometimes you you pick lines because you're like, oh, I don't want to get a flat right now. Like, you know, mm. I don't even care anymore. I just ride, ride whatever I want to ride. I hock whatever I want to hock off of. Sweet. And just, <laughs> and you just ride away, you know? And then sometimes you got to wait for other people to change their flats and you're like, but with, with that protective rim strip, I'm so sold. I love it. Yeah. How about, how about the talk to the performance of carbon over aluminum? Because you were riding aluminum. Envy was your first carbon wheels, right? Yeah, that's the first time I tried it. And I I didn't even it blew my mind. I cuz you know I I I I would say the moment of truth was there's some trails right up here in those woods where there's some diagonal off-camber rooty lines and if you fall off them, you're going to fall like I think on some of these ones like 12 15 feet. And there's rocks all the bottom from falling off the cliff. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to go there. <laughs> and so I'd ride these diagonal rooty lines. And then sometimes you hit them high, which is not optimal. And then, and then you get shuffled down to the bottom of the trail, but you're still on the trail. But you got to like compromise and, and kind of go up and then go up to, to, to be able to go down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I did that normal line. But then as I went across them, I stayed high. 
And I was like, whoa, I was like tracking right through those. And so then I would hit them in the middle where I wanted to go. So for the exit where I wanted to be. And I was going right exactly where I pointed with, with these MV rims. And I'm like, whoa, it, I remember that having an epiphany right there. And so it blew my mind. And, um, I just realized that they go where you point them. They were like this and like this laser precision of where you put your tire and there's no shuffling around. You just, you just point and go. And, right. um, they're compliant enough somehow they've, they've made them flex enough that, that they do their job, but they're right. like true and stiff enough that they just laser beam to anything right. you want. So that blew my mind. And, um, I was like, cause I was just testing them before I, before I signed with MV, I'm like, well, I got to try these out, you know, and like, and then I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> these are kind of magic. <laughs> I'm in, sign me up. And so I've been an MV fan ever since. And I've never ridden. I can't ride anything else now. I'm spoiled. I've, I've, I've tasted the Kool-Aid. I can't ride <laughs> anything else, you know? Right. And so, you know, I I have different sizes, you know, way big ones for my Dano bike and then medium ones for my Enduro bike and, and mm -hmm. smaller ones for my trail bike. I'm actually quite sold and I, I can't go back. Did anything you have else. to adjust anything and like either riding style or tire pressure or anything? You know what? Like, I just had to really adjust to where you can go. You can, you can go where you want and go faster. Um, and so I just kind of had to ride just, just kind of like more honestly, like mm -hmm. you didn't have to like account for things because you know, you're going to get wobbled out and, and end up right. where you want, you know? So I had, I had to like, and I could go faster through things. Mm -hmm. And so it made me, um, like more honest rider, like of where I wanted to go. Like I'm not, I didn't have to like account for things. I could just go, I want to go there to make it into that. So I just go there and do that. And I'm like, Oh, that works. <laughs> I, I can do that. <laughs> I didn't know I could do that, but I can do that now. And so that's how I adjusted, you know, you, you basically just kind of own up to what you want to do and go for it. Cause the wheels are not going to like, they're going to take you where you want to go. Nice. Um, and the other thing I like is, you know, I'm not the most mechanical guy. Like I'm, I'm just, you know, jump off stuff and, and if something breaks, take it to my mechanic. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm just one of those guys, you know, I've got people for that. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I did have to do something, you know, like true my old aluminum rims and stuff, I was like, Oh God, it's. I could do it, but I wasn't good at it. Right. I never have to do any truing ever again with my envies. Like I imagine you, some people probably do, but I'm 220 pounds. Like I'm a big guy, and like I say, I'm not a gazelle. I'm not a super smooth technical rider. Like I, I I'm a, a point and shoot bull in a china shop, get her done, <laughs> old free ride style. Ah! My rims are just like perfectly straight. I can't even put them out of true all season long like it right. takes a lot like you know you have to land sideways off something to do anything then you then i just take it to my mechanic and he just does them up and they go oh, there you go and uh, they, that, that happens like maybe maybe once a year otherwise i just ride them that's one right. thing you have to do is just go you just you just ride them and they work Sweet. that that's what you pay the money for 
that's what that's 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 what makes them you know cost effective is that there's no bullshit you just put them on you ride your bike and you forget about them kind of in a way because they just do their job which is you know the ultimate praise for any product is that you forget about it mm-hmm. kind of you know because you're just like oh yeah they, they, they always work <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah Good. well we're it sold. sounds like an ad but it is i can't I'm sold. I'm so sold. And if there's anything you can do to your bike, you know, like I think the wheels just turn it into like a different, a different, uh, a different beast. It just, it yeah. just kind of like it turns any jalopy into Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, with the whole uh, coronavirus going on, obviously you're not traveling right now, and I know no traveling, no traveling, and I know that you know a lot of your what you do is travel. You go to Crankworks, oh. you go to Gar to see what we just spoke about. Yeah, and, um, you do also a lot of adventure trips. I mean, like the trips to Peru and stuff. Tell yeah. us more about that. Well, like I think. Last year, I think I did 187 days on the road, um, and I hit like every weekend is an event pretty much. Once once the season starts rolling, I'm like on the road, and luckily I have a good wife to hold down the fort at home with my two kids in the household. But uh, I hit everything I can, and I announced many events from Crankworks to Red Bull Rampage to interviews for Pink Bike at Sea Otter. I do BC Cup downhill, Canada Cup downhill. I hit like the BC bike race. I do adventure trips in like places like Peru for 10 days. And um, basically announcing or hosting videos or guiding or coaching, you know, whatever I can do to, to, to you know, put money on the or food on the table for my kids, but right. still get a little shredded myself, which is right. a bonus of like working in the bike industry. You can go to work and then as soon as you're done work, Oh, I just happen to have my bike here, and there's wicked mountains right here. So <laughs> it looks like on Instagram that I'm always there shredding, but usually I'm there to work. And, you know, I try and be strategic and, you know, get a sure. plane ticket to go to work, and then I bring my bike, and then I get to shred. So people see me ex- always shredding in these exotic locations, and they're like, oh, you know, there you go again. But hey, I was actually working, and then I went for a ride after I was done my day's work. Right. You know, so it's kind of like um, a perk of the job that you can take advantage of to get your tread in. Um, but right now, I'm stuck here. So, you know, I've been doing different videos for different sponsors. Um, I've got 15 different sponsors that I that I advertise mm-hmm. um, products for and test products for and and do, do the, the, the pro mountain biker thing. Mm-hmm. But it's tough because I do supplement my income with you know, announcing, guiding, coaching, right. and uh, I can't go anywhere. You know, no one can, and so there is no events to announce. There's no races. There's no adventure tours. So, yep. you know, I'm trying to be creative and, um, you know, do some pro- uh, projects here. But for me, you know, it's tough as well because you, it's not cool right now to ride gnarly things. You know, you don't want to put right. any kind of um, extra stress on the medical system, or, or you don't want to go to the hospital anyways. Right. You know. And uh, so even if I do go do a gnarly trail, I can't really post it because you get, you know, social shaming and you, you know, so I've been doing actually more blue square trails and and beautiful trails and and cross country 
um, XC, <laughs> and I know it. <laughs> and exactly. I've actually been doing lots of uh, e-biking, just like pounding miles and and, yeah. and getting getting lots of trails and, and and riding with my family. So it's kind of a time to do something different. Right. And um, you know, I, I I've been posting lots of retro footage, even even from like two two months ago, or from you know two years ago, or from twenty years ago. Um, yeah. I've got tons of stuff archived, so I'm trying to keep all my sponsors happy, you mm-hmm. know, still giving them some advertising out there to the world. Um, but at the same time, trying to play by the rules and, right. uh, you know, do lots of, lot of solo rides or riding with people that I live with mm-hmm. and, um, trying to find a new balance and trying, trying to figure yeah. out what makes sense of it and try and, and, and provide value to, to my sponsors and, and, um, promote the products that I'm paid to promote. So, yep. Just trying to be creative, you know. Yeah. Well, you're doing a good job. Been, been I feel like it. Yeah, yeah, I've got more more coming. Um, I got some ideas, and I'm I'm thinking about starting a podcast myself. Talks with oh, really? Tippy or, or Tippy Tales, or I don't know, I don't know exactly the word yet. I'm trying to work on it right. for like a title screen. So I appreciate you, you know, showing me how it's done, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just learning too, man. Yeah, yeah. I've actually been doing lots of podcasts just because, like. I'm a talker and, and I, I got the dumb no. jokes and stuff. So no. I, uh, I've been asked to a lot of podcasts. So I'm like thinking, why do I want to do one of these myself? You know? So I've, yeah, I've, uh, I've had someone reach out to me who does um, low pressure podcasts and mm-hmm. he's done 160 of them. And mm-hmm. so he's like offered to like totally help me. He goes, dude, you would kill this. And mm-hmm. so he's going to help me break it down and, and start one. And as well as I'm thinking about starting a new uh, feature um, um, on my YouTube, and then Pinkbike will, will most likely share it. Um, Tales with Tippy, and just talk about throw up a picture, you know, that has been published or the scene, a popular photo from back in the day, and then talk about went into the scenario behind, which was right. like, you well, know, I know you got great stories. I mean, oh my got- God, Jesus. Ye- you know, I do. A lot of other people do, but it's just fascinating what goes on behind the scenes, what led totally. to a certain situation, or what developed after that situation. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's just, I find it fascinating to hear other people's stories. And Absolutely. I've got some zingers throughout, you know, the decades of uh, <laughs> of world travel and 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 uh, hanging out with eccentric, crazy mountain people. You know, because like mountain people like us, there's some people that stay at home. They never leave their hometown. And then mm-hmm. mountain bikers and cyclists and snowboarders, those are more of the adventure people. They go places. They do things. And yep. um, truth is stranger than fiction is the one I like. Because some of the things that happen or end up happening or that you have to, like, improvisational react to when you're in these adventures trying to get to an event or finish a race or run from a mountain lion or whatever these these whatever happens out there are just insane and i love it i i think it's just the most fascinating thing so i'm gonna be working on some projects like that and um i picked up uh drawing and painting again a little bit while i was in two weeks FL isolation and my kids are drawing up like hammered out masterpieces every day and Mm -hmm. so i went and got some art pens um and uh i'm gonna get back into an artist right my dad was a, an artist, and yeah. my wife's dad was an artist, um, as well as a race car driver and an underwater submarine designer. He was kind of a wild man. 
But wow. uh, my dad was like a full-on um, watercolor artist, and he was voted, you know, the the uh, favorite artist in our hometown for many years. They had a newspaper article, favorite restaurant, favorite this, favorite that. He was like right. favorite local artist for I can't remember how many years in a row. Nice. Um, and he sold paintings, you know, to help supplement the the income for he, my mom and him and me, you know, back, since forever and my brother. And so I've got these skills and he's taught me things that, and I've taught myself things back in the day. And, you know, back when I was like traveling in the nineties, I used to go to different countries with like a pack sack full of a hundred blank t-shirts and I'd bring some paints and I would custom paint uh, t-shirts, you know, mm -hmm. you know, for couch surfing or, you know, someone take me skydiving. I would trade some custom painted t-shirts for mm -hmm. different goods and services, nice. your money, whatever. And, um, I think I, I added it up. I used to order them 100 at a time. I made 17 orders. So I did 1,700 one-of-a-kind T-shirts that wow. are floating out there in the world. And what I find crazy is that I'll meet someone who I traded a T-shirt in New Zealand with in 1991 for a skydiving trip who wore it, you know, six years later in Switzerland. <laughs> and some guy from Ireland who I met partying on a barge and painted a t-shirt for her. We'll meet some guy. Hey, that's a custom Tippy t-shirt. Yeah, hey, you know Tippy? Yeah, I know Tippy. Hey, I'm going <laughs> snowboarding tomorrow. I got a key to the gate. I got an old snowcat. And they go have this crazy adventure that all started because they recognized this custom t-shirt that one of them had. And so then I'll run into that guy another five years later. I go, dude, I met your friend from Ireland. We went shredding and we did all this crazy stuff. And you know, it all starts. That's, a, that's, that's That sounds like a podcast right there. Yeah. Holy. Oh, I went... Tippy tees, yeah, I know. Wow, so much to do, so little time. Well, didn't you do one for Greg Kelly, and you actually got that T-shirt back? I yeah, good memory. Ah, I did one for Craig Kelly because I poached uh, a powder line on him because I didn't think he was gonna show up, and then he was just hung over, never showed up. I waited for hours for him to get there, so I'm like, oh well. So I just rode this deep powder stairways, and then he showed up at my New Year's Eve party and said hey did you write those lines i'm like yeah and he charlie horse me and he need me right in the leg and i'm like and i was like so i threw him in a headlock and i ran him <laughs> into our fridge and <laughs> wrestled him and basically beat up my hero <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like dude I waited for hours, like I waited for like four hours, five hours in minus 22 temperature and you never showed up. I didn't think he didn't want to film it. And then he goes, yeah, we were just hung over. And I'm like, oh my God, I poached my hero. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he goes, that's okay. It's okay. Anyways, we ended up becoming friends. And then I went to the next race and I hand painted him this t-shirt of him doing this wicked turn. I think it was a Bud Fawcett photo, Transworld Snowboard Magazine back in the day. And I hand-painted him this shirt and said, "I this is my apology. I hand-painted this. I did not mean to poach you for that shoot. That was not my style. I just didn't think you weren't interested. And he goes, apology accepted. He goes, you painted this? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, amazing. And so he, we sadly lost him, I think, in 2003, yeah. was it? Yeah. Um, to an avalanche. Yeah. One of the greatest snowboarders of all time and the original, you know, six-time world champion and a legend. And um, his ex-wife returned this T-shirt that I painted for him many years later. Uh -huh. And I, I have it now. And so I went to the Mount Baker Banks Lollum. And when I got 
um, my duct tape and got third in, in uh, mid-masters there, I wore it up on the podium. Nice. Well, you had his yeah. race suit on too, didn't you? Oh my God, that's another whole story. Yeah, I, he, he, sold, I, he saw me snowboard back in the early 90s. I like, he's like, dude, you're pretty fast. You should race. I go, I do race. You know, like I raced the BC Amateurs circuit. He goes, no, you should go pro. Dude. You should be racing pro. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a speed suit or anything. He goes, I have a speed suit for you. I'll sell you my speed suit. So there's like $1,000 or $800 or something. And so he sold me a speed suit that he won the U.S. Open in and was in the early Burton movies in for 150 bucks. And so I wore this suit. And the next race I went to, I beat him. <laughs> my hero. And so um, this suit was like, you know, uh, what I used for racing and when I started racing professionally. And then I, I got more suits and national team suits and I didn't eventually use it. But I went to the 30th annual Mount Baker Bank slalom and I pulled the suit out because Craig Kelly was originally from Mount Baker. Right. Mountain, and I, I got duct tape and got on the podium wearing his speed suit. <laughs> Awesome. And you know, like I'm 220 pounds now. I can barely get into this thing. I'm like trying to get it together. It was like a workout and a half getting into this thing. And I'm I'm surprised it even held together. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. And um I think I I beat fourth place by like like one tenth of a second or something. So I just got a podium spot. And I probably wouldn't have got that without that suit. So thanks, Craig. <laughs> Nice, nice. Oh, crazy that. story. That's a, that's a great story. I love that one. Oh, yeah, totally. And some of these kids were like, check out the guy in the speed suit. And I would not wear a speed suit to the Mount Baker Bank phone unless it was Greg Kelly's. Of you course. Know? And then, but then and some of the old timers were like, hey, you guys know whose suit that was? And they're like, no, that was Craig Kelly's speed suit. And they're like, oh, wow, cool. They wanted to come <laughs> and touch me on the arm. Like, hey, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. funny funny story yeah. yep yeah he uh, was he was my hero back in the early days too well i mean still is still is. yeah I mean, oh I craig mean, kelly he was so smooth eh and like, he could do freestyle racing free riding he was just like just he just flowed down the mountain it was amazing yeah I, you know I, I was at mel baker this year and i met uh craig kelly's daughter olivia Oh, nice! And uh, had a conversation with her, and we're friends on Instagram now. She's just awesome. turned uh, she just turned nineteen years old yesterday. Holy cow! Crazy! And she she's um she's going to university in in Vancouver, and you know snowboarding, and she just nice. she looks like Craig. It's really trippy. That's and crazy. so um, I saw her at uh, Jake before Jake passed. <clears throat> she went there to his work, uh, the Craig Kelly. Uh, prototype center, whatever Burton calls that. They have that. Craig oh, uh, yeah, the, the the Craig's. Craig's, yeah. So Craig's. And they did a whole photo thing with her in there with Jake and stuff, and that was incredible. Oh, amazing! Yeah, That's you know cool. what? Like I've offered to take her mountain biking, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I I said, you know, I was a friend of your dad's, and I told the story of me beating him up when we first met and how we became <laughs> friends, and. um I said, he's a very inspirational man to me. And I go, if there's anything you ever need, you know, feel free to, to, to call me at any time. If you want to go mountain biking, I've got spare mountain bikes. I'll take you mountain biking. 
beer want to go snowboarding. I don't think he's snowboarding. I'm sure you got a lot of people to snowboard with, but you know what? As a sign of respect to him, I extend an olive branch to you for anything that you ever need in life. And uh, especially mountain biking, if you want to go ride, I know some, some, some fun trails here. Um, yeah. I would love to, to take you out and you can ride with me and my wife and my daughters or anybody. And um, he said, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And um, it was, it was you know, an offer that... I don't know if she'll take me up on it. I hope she does. If she doesn't, but at least I extend it to yeah. it. And as a sign of respect to, to my hero. Yeah. You know. Have you been up to uh, Baldface? I haven't. You know what? Like, I I got out um, there, ooh, 2011, maybe? 2000, yeah, probably about 2011. I got an invitation from Jeff Pensiero, who is business partners with Craig Kelly. They, right. They helped start it together. Along with, uh, I think Jeff Buckley was a guy that helped pick the, the, the valleys and the train that they use. Right. And uh, he extended, he gave me a free trip to go out there. Um, just because, you know, he, he knew that I was 10 years sober. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me a gift of, uh, I wasn't 10 years sober then, but he knew that I was sober for a certain amount of time. And he thought that was awesome. And so um, he gave me a free trip. So I went out there for, I think it was a three-day trip. So we, we left off. You got you got to go up to Baldface, um, which oh, I haven't Baldface. been able to do. I got to go do that. That's on the bucket list. Yeah, add it to the bucket list, man. The the, the train is awesome. The pow in the Coonies is just deep and cold and dry. Not always, but usually. And <laughs> um, such a cool vibe there. The lodge is cool. And there's this rock star mountain or snowboarders going in and out of there all the time. So, right. you know, I, I hung out with Jamie Lynn, and we ended up just bonding and telling stories, and nice. um, it was it was really cool. And then I got to see Craig Kelly's cross, you know, and then mm-hmm. we run right down there, right to the lodge. Yeah. Um, but I think we did like I forget how many runs we were doing a day, but you know, not a dozen runs, but almost ten or eleven runs a day. Right. Um, like a couple thousand feet of just awesome powder great guides and cool terrain i loved it there and uh i i was using um my gopros from back in the day and i made a little video and i said it uh i want to rock rock some retro rock you know and um, i had everyone in the cat singing (laughs) and then we're all singing the lyrics and then all of a sudden it cuts into the real song and uh oh my god God, powder over the head. You couldn't like the the, the shots was mostly look like Bugs Bunny burrowing under the under the dirt. You know, <laughs> Get all the, the yeah, totally. Oh, it was mm. sick. Yeah, I love ball chase. It was nice. rad. Um, so you know, obviously, Craig Kelly is a big hero of ours, and I think snowboarding and board sports do a really great job of celebrating legends in the sport. How do you think that the mountain biking does or cycling in general does with its uh, legends? I think it does very well. I think actually it does better than snowboarding. Okay. I think snowboarding, you know, is more about the latest and greatest, coolest guy spinning more spins and more flips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that mountain biking um, reveres its legends even better than snowboarding, I think. Okay. You know, like I'm still around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you 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 do a great job of staying, you know, present. You know, 
Yeah, I, I keep myself, you know, out there and I keep my fingers in a lot of different pies for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I don't ride fast. I'm definitely not, I've never really been fast anyways, but I definitely still do some gnarly stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like I still ride lines where if you don't make it, you could die. You know, like I, I like very exposed lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like to do them very often, but I like to do them every now and then just because it's a rush and just to let every, the kids know that I'm still around. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember me? Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nice. um, but, uh, you know, as far as, as, as revering our legends, you know, like we have the, the Mount Bike Hall of Fame that goes on and mm-hmm. um, I see different articles in different publications. I know Freeride Germany just ran an article on myself and Wade Simmons and Richie Slay on the okay. four riders and. Um, I saw them do something on Hans Ray a couple issues ago, you know, and um, I see stuff like on various different um, websites like Vital and Pink Bike, you know, that have old, old, old dogs in there. Yeah. And um, I think, I think it's respectful and I think it's, it's cool, you know, you know, you, you, you've, you're, you're building sports on people's time and effort and risk and, and, um, it's nice to be recognized for the efforts that you make. And, right. um, you know, I'm happy to be a part of, of the history of, of, of a part of mountain biking. And mm-hmm. I'll share stories with anyone who will listen anytime. <laughs> <laughs> or a joke or a high five or whatever, you know. Right. And I, I find it very touching when someone, you know, who's 10 years old, some kid who was not watching the Crank movies when I was like, you know, jumping cliffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Come up and ask for an autograph or, or want to BS and, and, and trade some jokes with me and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I, I find it very cool. And to even know that those 10-year-old kids know who I am is, oh, is yeah. rewarding. And so, you know, I, I find that very cool. And I I remember a, a quote that I heard, uh, you never want to meet your heroes. Well, I want to be that guy that people are stoked to meet. You know, right. I want to be the, the opposite action to that. And so I'll try and entertain people and um, make them feel good about, you know, taking a moment to say, hey, let's go talk to them, you know. And mm-hmm. if they do, I try and let it up and, and make them feel cool and, and, and entertain them and like make, making people laugh. Anyways, you know, so it, that's cool. And that's um, awesome. I find it especially rewarding when some young people, you know, mm-hmm. know who you are, like I said, and I look at my Instagram, I look on the analytics, and most of my followers um, are between 25 and 35. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the next ones uh, are, uh, I think, uh, 15 to 25. <laughs> like the next big, you know what I mean? Like, So I've got a bunch of young people following me nice. with all my shenanigans and adventures and stupid jokes and all the stuff that I put <laughs> on there. And That's I'm nice. 50, years, 50 years old, you know, 50-year-old dude, yeah. but... Um, I think that's cool. So I, I think I have kind of a, a youthful, um, attitude anyways. Well, I mean, just, yeah, you're super energetic. You know, totally. I'm stuck like this. I have been for a long time. You know, it reminds me of a quote I heard growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Which I so think is true. awesome. Yeah. So, I just, yeah, I just I'm, turned I'm 50 like, uh, two weeks ago. No, we could oh, go. Oh, congrats! Happy Thanks. birthday! <laughs> thank yeah, you, thank you. So, yeah, it's the same thing. I don't, 
I don't feel 50 at all. I mean, it's to me, it's just a number. And... Well, Ken, you don't, you don't look 50, but we can remember <laughs> when you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ken, Ken, the view from the fifth floor is fine. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I wouldn't trade you it. Know when you, you know when you're getting old? You know you're getting old when your back goes out more than you do. <laughs> that's that's you, very true. You know you're getting old and your knees buckle and your belt won't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how you know when you're getting really old? How? When you have a house party and the neighbors don't even realize it. <laughs> oh man that's good uh you know what getting old getting old is weird it's like you know like when you brush your teeth you look in the mirror every day you just see yourself and you just you know you are who you are right right yeah but there there was a movie that came out last year called the moment that was celebrating the birth of free ride and Mm -hmm. to see videos i've never seen of myself when i was young you know is really trippy and i'm like and it really kicked in like whoa I'm old. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, well, it's like it's like you said. You you have this picture of yourself, and um, you think that you don't age, but you do. Oh, oh it went wow. by. It went. Let me, let me. It's on Instagram in case you want to see it. But that's okay. That's twenty. That's twenty-two year old me right there. Whoa. <laughs> Young fella, you look like you're like got an army haircut. I did. I was in the military. That's how I got. That's how oh. I got to Germany, the first time. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, you got the full uh, high and tight. Going on. High and tight. That's what we call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so you've been riding bikes forever too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I same story. You know, started off like five years old with whatever crappy bike that I got for Christmas and. I got into BMX, I think, when I was like seven, and you know, it just snowballed from there. Snow started snowboarding when I was eleven. So you yeah. and I, we've walked the same path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good path, good path. But you, you're just a little bit more crazy and do bigger stuff than I do. Well, you know what? I, I, I actually, my wife and I are talking about it. I was like a snowboard racer and mm-hmm. a mountain bike free rider. Mm-hmm. And if I did it opposite, if I was like a snowboarding freestyle free rider and a mountain bike racer i'd be rich <laughs> but that wasn't my passion so i did it the way i did it and i'm happy to be where i am anyways you yeah, know exactly. life takes you where you are and it makes you who you are and takes you where you want to go i guess or where you end yep. up going so be happy totally. with it wherever it turns out but yeah yeah no it's been it's, it's, crazy, it's a great bro. it's a great journey so yeah yeah totally good stuff well i think that's a good place to bring this to an end certainly appreciate you taking awesome. time out of your day yeah man thanks for inviting me on is, yeah, what is this called again the envy podcast or what's it called In, inside envy podcast inside envy podcast awesome yeah. well yeah i hope we didn't make it sound like too much of an ad in the middle but you know i am a, a an envy sponsored pro rider but I am a true believer in the product. And uh, if you haven't tried them, you don't know. Until you, and then when you do try them, you're like, oh, that's why they got that reputation for awesomeness. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I say, to wrap it up, I, I'm i so stoked to ride for Envy. And, and that's like, 
I didn't know how good they were until I tried them, and now right. I know. So that's well, awesome. we certainly love having you as one of our ambassadors, one of our pro riders, and fl- raising the flag for us. So awesome. keep, well, long keep, may it continue. It. Yep, and I'm, hopefully I'm, I'm I'm spoiled now. I I need to write envy rims because <laughs> I've I've, I've tried them. <laughs> re- we'll remember that when it comes to the renegotiate time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I buddy, I, hello, hello, hello. Uh, what? You're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> You're breaking up. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be able to see you soon, bud. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, hopefully this uh, whole thing will will blow over and um, yep. the world will uh, unvelop unto, I don't know if it'll go back to normal, you know, because who knows what normal, normal was right? or the new normal. But, uh, yeah, we look, look forward to seeing you somewhere and uh, go for a shred or a high five yep. and tell some jokes like we always do. Thanks, <laughs> for having, thanks for having me on the show, buddy. I appreciate you, you reaching out. Yep. Take right care, on. Brett. See you, buddy. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later. later. Yeah. Good job.